0: And welcome to Bardcast, the Shakespeare Podcast. I'm Carson. And I'm Jeff. And today's episode is about Hamlet. Specifically, what is Hamlet? Hamlet is a lot of things. Hamlet is a play. There, we're done. (laughs) Hamlet is primarily a play written by Shakespeare. There's
1: also a character in that play. Named Hamlet. Yes.
0: And his father is also named Hamlet. Yes, though
1: that's just a coincidence.
0: No, it's not. (laughs) But in addition to being those things, it's also a story that's gone back centuries before Shakespeare was even born. Yeah,
1: because Shakespeare rips some stuff off.
0: Yeah. Surprise. Mm-hmm. And also, Hamlet has become sort of this entire symbol, and this entire psychological evaluation, and all of these other things.
1: Like, I, I don't think there's any play that's been analyzed as much as Hamlet has.
0: Absolutely not. By far, more scholarship has gone into Hamlet than any other play ever written. Okay, so, we're going to talk about the story. In this subject, we're just going to talk about them as the names from the play. Like,
1: in the original, it wasn't necessarily Hamlet and Claudius and Gertrude.
0: Right. In the original, it was the story of Amleth, uh, with a TH and so on. But we'll just call them Hamlet. These are the similarities that are in stories from before Shakespeare ever wrote uh, any plays to modern-day versions. They all have similar elements. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the basic story of Hamlet is. There are four
1: important people, basically. Hamlet. Right. His father. Yep. Uh, his uncle. Yep. Who murdered his father mm-hmm. and married his mother, the queen.
0: Right. Hamlet's
1: mother, not his uncle's mother.
0: Right. So the core story is sort of the Hamlet family: mm-hmm. his father, uncle, and his mother. And himself. Right. So. Hamlet is this prince, also a student, so sort of a... We, in the play, we get a feeling that he's an intellectual. Yeah. Uh, his father is killed. His father, also named Hamlet, is killed by his uncle, who then uses that opening to become the new king.
1: Right. It's not... Like, no one knows that he was killed by his uncle. It was kind of, you know, done secretly with ear poison.
0: Right. That's in the play. Uh, we'll get to the details about that later. But in earlier versions, that wasn't the case. So, Hamlet pretends to be crazy so that Claudius, the new king, doesn't feel like he has to kill Hamlet to be safe. Right. Because Hamlet might want to get revenge for the murder, but if he pretends to be completely incompetent and unable to function, then Claudius will just let him be as sort of this person who lives around the court but is harmless. Yeah, he's no threat, so why kill him? Exactly. Exactly. And even even the older versions of Hamlet before Shakespeare, there was also sort of a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, these very minor characters, really, who go on a boat trip with Hamlet to another country with a letter that has been written to kill the bearer of this note, which was supposed to be for Hamlet, but Hamlet cleverly rewrites the letter so that Rosencrantz and Guildenstern get killed. Mm-hmm. Eventually, after all of this, Hamlet comes back home, and in a rampage of revenge, kills the king and dies in the entire process of killing the king.
1: And it varies how this all happens.
0: Right. The, the little details depression. change, but that story has been around for centuries. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Shakespeare adds the details and his particular genius of expression that makes it his. So, like we said, before Shakespeare, this was around for a long time. Originally, it was an Irish story. We don't know who wrote it or anything like that, but it was written down by Saxo Grammaticus.
1: Who has the best name.
0: Probably the best name ever. And we also know there was a play, probably, about Hamlet written when Shakespeare was just starting his career. We don't know anything about it. All we know is a person in another play refers to someone acting as Hamlet in a play. So, really no idea who wrote it. People say it was probably written by Person X, but there is no evidence whatsoever. It just would have fit in his style. So I'm not even going to say who that was.
1: And elements of the play go back to ancient times.
0: Right, so nobody knows who wrote this other play, any details about it. Uh, There are people that say that it was some sort of proto-version by Shakespeare, but that's absurd. The timing for that is just impossible. So Shakespeare comes along and he decides that he's going to write a Hamlet play. We all know that Shakespeare has a son named Hamnet. Mm -hmm. Is this because Shakespeare has heard the story of Hamlet and he likes the story of Hamlet and he names his son that and then writes the play, or does he write the play because he named his son Hamnet and had the connection to to his son and then his son dies and then he writes the play?
1: Connection because the names are not spelled the same.
0: Right, but they're very similar. Right, like you can't deny the connection. The, there's a lot of speculation about this, and like a lot of Shakespeare speculation, it's simply a matter that we don't have any information, so people can just make up whatever they want. I think it's safe to say that the two names are connected a little bit. Like anyone with a son named Hamnet would have noticed the connection, but we'd have no idea why he wrote the play. the The common story is that Shakespeare's son dies. He's named Hamnet. Shakespeare decides to write this as sort of an in memoriam to mm-hmm. his son. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I just don't think any of that holds together. I mean, only the name connects them, and he wrote it years later.
0: Right. So who knows? Not us. So the important thing that Shakespeare adds is his rich characters and his particular style of writing, which I, I think everyone agrees it reaches its peak in genius in this play. It's not a perfect play, but the beauty of his writing and the magnificent speeches are really unequal than any other of his plays.
1: Just the sheer volume of them, at least.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's certainly the longest of his plays, and therefore the best. I think that's how it works, yeah, based on science or something. If you're going to buy one of his plays, this one has the most words, so you're getting the most words for your dollar, if they cost the same. So buy this one first. It's the best deal.
1: Or just get a collected works.
0: Right. So, uh, these characters have so much nuance and richness, most of them.
1: Everyone but Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, the interchangeable people. Right.
0: That people have done psychological analyses on mostly Hamlet, but also the other characters. Especially Ophelia. Oh, absolutely Ophelia. Just these incredibly rich characters. The problem is that it's very ambiguous. Um, You can take anything they say in a lot of different ways. So... No one can ever say that character X is character X trait. Like, you can't say that Shakespeare suffers from a specific mental illness or something like that.
1: Especially because, you know, most of these psychology things weren't around back then.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like, I mean, you can't say, oh, Shakespeare intended for so-and-so to represent the id. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Because there was no concept of the id back then. Right, that's outrageous. So... The biggest change in terms of plot that, Hamlet, that Shakespeare introduced is that in the original play, it's a traditional revenge. Hamlet's father is killed, and it's public knowledge that he was murdered. And so Hamlet is forced to get revenge, but to survive, he has to pretend to be mad or incompetent or an idiot so that he's not seen as a threat until the final moment when, he has, when he's there to get his kill. Shakespeare changes that and makes it a secret murder, only revealed by the ghost of his father, so that no other character knows Hamlet knows anything or has any reason to bear the new king any ill will. And so Hamlet's madness becomes a completely different thing where we have to ask ourselves, is Hamlet indeed mad?
1: He's faking being mad, but he's faking so well that he might actually be crazy. And...
0: Even before he knows that his father is murdered and he has to pretend to be mad, he is very intellectually disturbed. He wants to die before he knows that his father was murdered. So uh, that's really what adds a whole new level of nuance to the play, this idea of is he actually mad or not. And you can just run around in circles in that for the rest of time and never reach an answer. So we're not going to try to make any decisive comments on that.
1: Yet. <laughs> I think this is, this is a discussion we can easily have later on.
0: Right, but we're never going to say yes he was or no he oh, wasn't. Oh,
1: no. We're not going to be able to say definitively whether or not he was. But we can say what our opinion is.
0: Sure. Okay. So there are three different versions of Hamlet that are available to us. They're called the Bad Quarto, the Good Quarto, and the one in the First Folio. So, like we've said earlier, a quarto and a folio is just the size of paper that you put something on. So, uh, the names don't really matter. You don't have to know what they mean. Basically, the bad quarto seems to be someone was acting in the play or had heard the play and they wrote down all the lines that they could remember and then published it. People actually think they know which character the person was playing because all of his speeches are there while the the rest of the play is more spotty but who knows? Um, The Good Quarto is a pretty accurate rendition, and it's used alongside the first folio. Hamlet is unusual for one of Shakespeare's plays, because there's a lot of differences between the different versions that seem legitimate. Like They seem written by Shakespeare. It's not like it was just an accident of transcribing or something like that. There's a thought that, over time, Shakespeare continued to modify the play, It's certainly a favorite of people's today, so perhaps it was a favorite of Shakespeare's, and he messed around with it as he went.
1: It was his longest one, I mean.
0: Right. Part of the reason that it's the longest one, of course, is that people like Kenneth Branagh think that every single line in all three different versions has to go into the movie. So, of course, it's going to be much, much longer than even Shakespeare intended it to be. There's there's no version that has all of the lines in it from Shakespeare's time.
1: Speaking of, we should link this little image I found of the three different quartos of the to be or to not to be, not to be speech.
0: Are there three it, it, quartos?
1: Uh, no, the two quartos in the folio, sorry. Ah. It just shows the three side by side, and you can get a good impression of how different they are. That's
0: great. Yeah, definitely. So if you want to see that picture, you can go to bardcast.blogspot.com
1: or Wikipedia.
0: <laughs> And uh, we'll have, of course, all the other things that we have on our posts. So, since Shakespeare, this has been an amazingly successful play. Uh, It has been popular from Shakespeare's time all the way down to today. Of course, plays in general aren't very popular today, but as a play, it's very popular. Universally hailed as Shakespeare's greatest work, except for by some contrarian people.
1: It's definitely his biggest work and probably it's one of his best. I can't, you know, it's not my favorite.
0: Okay. Right. But no one can deny its majesty, the brilliance <laughs> of the speeches, you know, all the things that people like it for. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah. Whether you like it and more really or less, whether you like it more or less than something else, that's just taste. Yeah. Hamlet is one of the things that Sigmund Freud was really interested in. He did these elaborate psychological interpretations of the character as though he were a real person. And although certainly Hamlet is very detailed and has a lot of personality, I don't think it's really legitimate to do a psychological evaluation of a fictional character in a play.
1: Especially because one that was written so long ago and you have no way to talk to the author. Right,
0: and especially one who might be faking being crazy. Exactly. Exactly. Of course, since Shakespeare, a lot of people have put on the play of Hamlet, but in addition to that, they've taken the plot of Hamlet and turned it into other things.
1: Yeah, like, just like Shakespeare did. Right. I mean, the biggest one of those is probably, that all of you know about, is The Lion King.
0: Now, when you say the biggest, you mean the best, right?
1: That's not what I said.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to say that The Lion King is the best version of Hamlet available. Adaptation of Hamlet. No. <laughs> the best version of Hamlet available.
1: I might. I mean, I really like The Lion King, but it really gets away from the whole plot of Hamlet. Here's the thing The Lion King is a great movie. It is. It's really good. But I'm just saying that if it were based, more based on Hamlet everyone would have died.
0: (laughs) That's true, which only goes to show you that the Lion King is better than Hamlet.
1: I don't know, I mean, I think it would be pretty good, like Simba freaking out and accidentally killing that blue bird thing. Yeah, and then dying of poison.
0: Exactly. Well, it wouldn't have to be poison, it could be wildebeest stampede. (laughs) The most common form of murder in animal people Africa.
1: Yes. There, There are other plot thefts of Hamlet, sort of. Like, uh, I, I'm, some of you may have heard of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Are Dead, which is a play that is based on Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, the two minor characters, and their life when they're not on stage.
0: Right. Basically, the idea with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern is every scene, when it ends, it, it goes into a real scene from Hamlet. Or when it mm-hmm. begins, is they just walked off the stage from Hamlet. Yeah. And they don't know what's going on in the play.
1: Like, every time... Hamlet, the whole Hamlet play comes on. The language of the play suddenly changes, and they
0: just seem really confused <laughs> as to why they're talking like this. Right, it's very postmodern in that sense. Like, oh, I'm just being crazy for its own sake. Yeah,
1: but it, it, in this instance, at least, it, it's very well done. Right, we're
0: not saying it's bad.
1: Right. Well, sometimes it's bad. <laughs> but the ending gets weird. It is.
0: It is neat to see. Uh- In stories when it seems like everything's revolving around something. What's going
1: on with everyone else. Right,
0: when minor characters, they don't actually care about what the main storyline is. Like in Harry Potter, everything's about Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. But in real life, no matter how important you are, most people just care about themselves and their own lives, or like the people just around them. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like injecting this dose of reality. Although Hamlet obviously does have characters that are only more concerned about themselves.
1: Yeah. And then I was reading about a couple other ones. Like, there's a, one, a play called Fortinbras, which is about Fortinbras after Hamlet and how he's haunted by Hamlet's ghosts.
0: Oh, that's cool. So he yeah. has to get revenge for uh, his. I, I, I don't
1: actually know anything beyond that. Right.
0: I guess he wouldn't have to get revenge because the guy who killed him died. <laughs> yeah. Along with everyone else. Yeah. And
1: then, except for Horatio. And there was another one that was Hamlet from Ophelia's point of view.
0: Oh, okay. That would be really weird. It is shockingly called. Ophelia. Ah, nice. I really don't see how you would make that into a story. I haven't read it. I just was looking,
1: you know, at the list of yeah. Hamlet adaptations. Yeah, I
0: just I just don't see it. Okay. So anyway, as we as we've said before, Slings and Arrows. Awesome. One of the best things available that it isn't putting on Shakespeare plays, but it's directly related to Shakespeare because it's about a theater troupe that's putting on Shakespeare. Yeah. So, the first season is about this company producing Hamlet. And the main actor, who is an actor from the movies, who's coming into the theater and feels kind of uncomfortable about it, the theater director tells him that Hamlet is actually not this big play and this big psychological thing and all these other things. It's actually just seven soliloquies. Just Hamlet gets on stage and says these speeches to the audience, and there's seven of them, and if you can get those, you're done. That's all you need to do. So again, we'd recommend that you see Slings and Arrows. Which we actually have a link to at our store if you'd want to buy it on Amazon. Another thing that Hamlet is involved in is the anti Stratfordians, those people who say that Shakespeare wasn't Shakespeare, those naughty people. Yeah. Basically, if you're an anti Stratfordian, you almost inevitably think that Hamlet is some sort of crazy autobiography.
1: Mm -hmm. Then the Stratfordians would say,
0: but Hamlet sounds like Hamnet. It's his son.
1: (laughs) And if they were anti Stratfordians, that would be the biggest proof in the world of something. Yeah, that's a good
0: point. But uh, basically, this fascination with Hamlet being Shakespeare goes to just crazy degrees where because Hamlet is the son of a king and a queen, therefore, whoever wrote Hamlet must be the son of Elizabeth I. And so... Right. Where the crazy people uh, apparently including the person making the movie Anonymous, which is going to be about... Roland Emmerich. Yeah, which is going to be about Shakespeare not being Shakespeare. Apparently he has... What's his face?
1: Earl of Oxford. The
0: Earl of Oxford being not only the son of Elizabeth I, but also having an incestuous relationship with Elizabeth I, so...
1: As some interpretations of Hamlet have him having with his mother.
0: Right, so that's just crazy. Like we've said at the beginning of this podcast, most of the things that happen in the play happened in stories before this. So any sort of autobiography is insane. Mm -hmm. Like, unless he lived his life based on the story that happened before he was born or something like that, it just makes no sense. Obviously, because of Shakespeare's brilliant writing, we have this huge catalog of quotes from the play. A little more than kin and less than kind. In the manner born, a custom more honored in the breach than in the observance all of these famous quotes to the point where there's an anecdote about an old woman who finally goes to see Hamlet for the first time and she says, oh, it wasn't that great. It was just a bunch of quotes strung together because it has such a huge cultural impact that you've heard a lot of Hamlet before or whether or not you actually see the play. and that's such a huge effect in our culture. Mm-hmm. So uh, just sort of to remind ourselves about the play and just as further research, we saw the BBC production of Hamlet that just came out last year, I think. With
1: David Tennant as Hamlet and Patrick Stewart as Claudius. Right. And other people as other people, who mostly they don't matter.
0: Yeah. And obviously Patrick Stewart is some sort of patron saint of acting and can do no wrong.
1: He's quite good in this. Yeah, he's
0: obviously fantastic in this. I didn't really like the way that David Tennant was being mad sometimes. It seemed kind of over the top, but I guess he is trying to be mad. Yeah. So who knows? I, I also
1: thought Polonius did a good job. Instead of seeming totally doofy, yeah,
0: he seemed like a guy who
1: was just a little bit out of it sometimes, but instead of like agreeing with Hamlet because he's a little bit uh, doofy, he's agreeing with Hamlet just to get Hamlet to shut up.
0: Yeah. I liked Polonius' interpretation in the sense that He's clearly just someone that's a little past his prime and just kind of let his mind wanders. Yeah, he's not like
1: an old fool. He's just an old guy who occasionally forgets what he's doing. Yeah, you get the
0: impression that at some time in the past, he had, you know, his dignity and was a perfectly respectable, honorable person. But now he's just a little bit past his prime.
1: Yep. And of course everyone's, you know, still hiding in closets and spying on people. Or hiding in heiresses,
0: rather. Yeah, they had this entire theme of there being security cameras watching everything, and I kept waiting for that to mean anything or do anything, and it didn't.
1: Except for one point when Hamlet broke a security camera so he could have a soliloquy.
0: Right. And that didn't really change anything about the play. It seemed like whoever was making it just wanted to stick in some security cameras. Mm-hmm. for some reason. Uh, they did
1: They did do it to show that, like, on the security camera, the ghost wasn't
0: there. Right. At the beginning, when they have the ghost, the security camera is looking at the same scene and does not see a ghost, so I guess that's something. It just yeah. seemed completely unnecessary. I thought they were going to do something revelatory at the end or something.
1: Where the security cameras show everything. I don't know.
0: And it ne- you never got the impression of who was watching these security cameras. Like, I thought it was going to have...
1: Well, especially since, uh, apparently, Claudius felt the need to constantly hide in and- heiresses and watch things. Yeah.
0: yeah, I thought it was going to have Patrick Stewart behind a camera, you know, watching the camera screen at some point. That And frowning. <laughs> as he does so majestically. Yeah, that just seemed unnecessary, but everybody's got to have their own crazy interpretation of Hamlet. They had some modernistic dress...
1: It was it was set sometime between the 1950s and the modern time. It was hard to tell. Right,
0: kind of inconsistent in the clothing, like, like there were
1: jeans and T-shirts, but also like uh, World War II era military uniforms. Yeah, David
0: Tennant in particular was very modern dress, and looked quite a bit like Richard Hammond, which was weird. I still
1: disagree about that. His
0: haircut in particular, I don't know people. He had like have, three different haircuts. People that have seen Top Gear, back me up on this one. David, don't back him up on this one. David Tennant looks like Richard Hammond. He really doesn't. Just go with me on this one, guys. Leave comments at our blog, bardcast.blogspot.com. That'll be our next poll, by the way. Does David (laughs) Tennant look like Richard Hammond? Yes. Also yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just one option. Just yes. Anyway... Yeah, this is just sort of a brief overview of the story, so we're going to... Be- uh,
1: sometime soon we'll be getting into the actual, you know, deep delving into the plot and characters and stuff. Right.
0: I think that we might do a full episode for each act, because there's just so much to that's look five at. five
1: acts. I think, we can, I think that's a little
0: overboard. I, that's not for sure. This is just something I'm throwing out. All right. At. So we'll see what we're going to do with that. We don't actually have a scheduled next episode. In the previous episode, I said that if you want to vote for the next episode, we've replaced that with voting with dollars, just like in America we've done the same thing. And no one has decided to do that. I'm rolling
1: my eyes over here. He's getting political.
0: Okay. So, basically, minimum donation of $2, because otherwise PayPal eats up all the money. But if you want to vote for a play... $2 will get you... Or a topic. Oh, yeah, or a topic, sorry. If you want to vote for the subject of the next episode, $2 will get you in while the getting's good.
1: Otherwise, should we just do Christopher Marlowe?
0: I don't know. We'll figure something out.
1: Okay, or like, you know, Shakespeare's psychology. (laughs)
0: Shakespeare and Freud, best friends forever. So we'll take a little bit of time before we decide what we're going to do in case anybody wants to vote and they can do that at bardcast.blogspot.com where there is a donation button and if you want to leave us a comment please go there also and if you want to give us a good rating on itunes that helps us in the way that the podcast shows up whenever you do a search for something it shows up higher on the list if you give us a good rating on iTunes. So thank you for all the support that we've had so far, and thank you for the emails that we've got lately at uh, shakespearepodcast at com. I just got mm-hmm. one yesterday that was about uh, fans' demographics. Earlier I was saying that I would like to know, you know, who our listeners are, where they're from, that sort of thing. So we can appeal thing.
1: to you more broadly.
0: <laughs> so we could pander to you more directly. Yeah. Go West Coast. Uh? Is
1: that who it was from?
0: <laughs> yeah, it was from someone on the West Coast. All right. Right, so please, you know, email us about whatever you want to say, I guess, and I'll be sure to respond. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. I'm Jeff. (laughs) And I've been Carson. Bye. See ya.